Welcome to Better Words, a podcast for readers who want to know the stories behind the pages. We're your hosts, Caitlin and Michelle, two book nerds who bring you in-depth conversations about writing and publishing from those on the inside. Basically, we're just here to talk about books. We're so glad you're joining us. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Better Words. Today, just two of our favourite YA authors. Um, It's about time we spoke to Gabrielle Toza again, because she took a chance on our little baby podcast before we'd even launched it, and before we knew how to record it properly. She was literally our first guest and started this whole thing. Hopefully, we've come a long way, and you can hear the difference if you've been a long-time listener. Um, But so has Gab. Since we spoke to her, she's had not one, but two children, written a children's book Melody Trumpet and another young adult novel Can't Say It Went to Plan. In this interview we're chatting about schoolies, moving out of the city and back to the regions during COVID and how she juggles writing and motherhood with her two young kids. Hello Gab. Hey. We're here. We made it. We made it through some tech issues. (laughs) Yes, these damn tech issues, so annoying. Um, Yeah, so hello, thank you so much for joining us again. This is actually quite uh, special, I think, because you were the very first person that we ever interviewed for this podcast. Oh my gosh, I remember that interview. I was sitting in our tiny one-bedroom apartment and I remember just being so excited talking to you both. (laughs) <laughs> I we mean, were, that's so nice because we, so we had not started airing anything we and we had like, no idea what randoms. we were doing Would, can we interview you and you said yes so thank you very much <laughs> oh, it was it was such a beautiful era of publishing in the young adult world where it was just such a such a beautiful community obviously this is pre-pandemic wasn't it so mm, we could all yeah, see really. each other so much more in real life and there was just this real kind of um, vibrant energy so to be invited by you was so lovely and so yeah I just re- I do remember just probably having similar tech issues <laughs> but in a, <laughs> in a very different stage of life for me yes yeah. oh I mean it's such a shame because I like to think I mean we definitely are much better at podcasting now than we were back then and we you know we record on this fancy platform that does the special things and then it still didn't really we we made it we're here but it barely worked and so we were barely upgraded from the tech from when we first spoke to you (laughs) it was an upgrade though because we spoke to you on a mobile phone and held up to the microphone (laughs) which is makes me want to die a little bit right now (laughs) i love that that. (laughs) please no one go back and listen to it um because it's embarrassingly oh, it will, bad like, audio even if the interview was okay like ugh. i would be horrified to even hear what i was saying because that was pre-children as well and i was Five probably saying ago. i was probably mm-hmm. saying all sorts of ridiculous writing advice that i can't live up to anymore <laughs> <laughs> get up at 5am every day yeah exactly actually so I mean that's a that's a good place to start before we get into the books that you've published and the things that you've written since we spoke to you 
it, it would be nice to chat about, not in like that horrible way of like, how do you juggle it all question that women get asked that's very annoying, but genuinely, you know, I see so many people and, you know, some friends now who are starting to become mums and they say, you know, like, oh, my whole world outlook changed. And when you're not in that space, you're like, how, how can that possibly be? But obviously such a fundamental shift in everything in your life Obviously, aside from the, you know, how did it affect your writing? Well, you had less time sort of thing. How did it affect your writing in terms of like your emotion and your worldview and the things that you wanted to explore? Oh, such a big question. Um, yeah. Yeah. It on with a really yeah. simple one. Yeah, and it's an, it's, a, it's an amazing question too and I love that you're asking it because it is something that it impacts everyone who is creative no matter whether it's with writing or music, art, what you know, because there is this, there is this pull within you to be creative, and that for me certainly did not go away once I had children, and I'm so grateful that it didn't. However, it is something I feed as well. Like I'm very mindful of like continuing to have a lot of creative inputs to ensure that I'm still up for the output as well. Um, but I think in terms of how it's shaped the types of things I want to write, I, I'm i not sure if it has changed the types of things I want to write, in all honesty. I've always been drawn to t- write the stories that are calling to me the most and perhaps it's not the smartest um, strategy for like, you know, commercial blockbuster sales um, because, it, you know, but you know, like I'm jumping around between young adult, middle grade, you know, a picture book, things like that. Um, how, however, the reason I've written those books is because they were just so strong in me to write that I couldn't have sat down and written another type of story until I got that one out of my system. Um, So I would say having children has impacted my worldview in the sense that everything is heightened in a good way and in a hard way as well. Like I'm already a sensitive soul and I would say that I'm I'm very like... uh, sensitive and aware of the world around me I am the type of person if I'm going for a walk I will notice the beautiful flowers I will notice the clouds in the <laughs> sky do you know what I mean like sounds naff yeah. but I, I do I'm just mindful of everything you're one around. of those like creative writer types who's like oh look at this flower <laughs> <laughs> a little bit it, um yeah, yeah but that's what we need is, though, though it's kind of like those like looking out to those moments when you become a parent then obviously the sensitivity in you is increased because it feels like you've got your heart outside your body with these two little I've got two little girls and so it means that the emotional the the shitty stuff is dialed right up as well so for me writing just remains this outlet that I can pour all my emotions the good the bad the ugly into my writing still and I could do it before I had kids and I can do it after having kids and because the majority of my books at the moment are in that young adult um, category and it's very much like emotions, I 
um, tend to, like my books aren't memoirs, they're fiction, but I do tend to use real emotions and then put them into fictional situations. And that's something I'm still able to do, even though I am now a parent. Oh my God, how am I a parent? (laughs) (laughs) Because as an adult, like it's something I've, I, when people always ask me, like, how do you write for teenagers? You know, we're all still having experiences for the first time. We're all like, we all still don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Absolutely. We all like feel nervous. Look, this, I have a four-year-old daughter who I'm helping her and my husband's helping her, you know, face some little fears like every child has. And it's forcing me to confront my own stuff. And it just makes me realize, wow, like we are all still just going through that human experience. You know, it does not matter. I mean, it does not stop and no one, you never like figure out how to do it better or anything. I I think you just learn the tools to cope with it a little bit more like you don't it's the the roller coaster of emotion is not as wildly up and down as when you're a teenager and it's like Mm. everything is like life or death it doesn't feel like you're like okay this is bad this is not a good situation but I know I'm gonna like you you have that world experience and the past evidence to know that you can cope with a certain level of things and I think that that's like the only difference for me absolutely and I am prone to being very stressed and anxious as well and I was nodding along I know you can't see me but I was nodding nodding <laughs> along with everything you were saying and I think I you know decades from now I will still feel this childish in my heart and um but you know my reflection will look very different in the mirror and hopefully then I will have even better and healthier coping strategies than I do now. (laughs) I mean, that's the plan. Well, do you think, yeah. (laughs) Do you think that, um, you would like to write more like junior fiction or middle grade or something maybe for your daughters to read as they get to that age? Like, do you think that that will start to affect once they're reading? They're probably both too young for that now, right? (laughs) Uh, my daughters already love books and I know every author always says that, but I think it's true for people that are reading from their children from a really young age. Like we've been reading to them since they were babies. They're both obsessed with books. Good. <laughs> Absolutely. Wouldn't have it any other way. They know all about, you know, going to the library as well, borrowing books. Um, look, yes. I'm, I, I, I'm honestly just going to follow the ideas that come to me. Um, I cannot spend time with an idea if it's not begging me to write it especially since having children because my time is more limited yeah, than I so ever thought possible yeah yeah. Um, yeah I was so naive before having children about how to make it work like I remember a few writers said to me I feel I want to strangle them thinking about it they were like oh yes I wrote my debut book when my my baby was napping I was just at the cafe and they they would I would just write the book and I remember knowing nothing about babies but I was pregnant and I was like oh cool I'll just do that I'll just write I'll just write when my baby naps great plan cool yeah yep I'll just write the next book like that too easy yep all right on onwards and then of course I have a little baby that just wants to be held all the time naps for 10 minutes wakes up naps for 20 minutes wakes up so I've had to like recalibrate my entire process with every book since having children and that's honestly been using up a lot of my creativity having to think outside the box and come up with all these like new ways to write and it's been 
scary. However, it's also been like really amazing to still be learning constantly. And so my mantra now is just like every book needs a different process because when I look back on my books, the one I'm writing at the moment, it doesn't come out till 2024. It's my eighth project with Harper. And I look back on my every book has needed some completely different type of process from me depending on which season of life I'm in. That's, really, that's kind of a cool way to look at it. It's like, because you are starting from scratch every time and people talk about that a lot, but like you're a different person every time because like of everything that's happened up until that point. Absolutely. And it's not even something, like it doesn't even have to be about motherhood in terms of seasons of life. Like take that out of the picture even. We all go through different seasons of life, whether we've got health challenges or maybe there's an issue in the family or you know those things count too or like a a global pandemic oh the old pandemic situation (laughs) but even just like depending on what job you're working at at the time all that time things are different I have struggled so much this year with just having like zero energy and Mm, just no ability and I've really had to curtail like my work and what I have capacity to do because I just can't I just can't anymore and I feel like an old woman when I say that like I feel like I'm like 80 when I say that but it's just so different to the person that I used to be and that's because obviously we all grow and we change um but yeah you're so right like it doesn't matter we're all going to go through different seasons where we have different capacities for things so we need to approach our work our life everything sort of a little bit differently each time um we're just not all writing novels or working on such big projects so <laughs> it does take years it yeah. does feel like the wrong type of project like in a way I it's a good project because it can be dipped in and out of and you know flexible hours that type of thing so in some ways it's perfect the hardest part for me at the moment is finding the momentum that I used to just take for granted. Like we, you know, I made them a wanky thing, made the wanky comment before about the old me pre kids, you know, getting up at 5am, that type of thing. I'm not saying you ever had to get up at 5am to write a book, but the fact that I could easily find time to work on the book every day, even though it might've only been for half an hour one day or, you know, that type of thing, I can go like a week or two without even opening the document, which freaks me out and then by the time you open it it's almost like you're seeing it for the first time um although I have noticed the upside I do love a silver lining like I'm I very much argue with myself about things like I can see the good and the bad in everything and the upside of this process taking so much longer now is I'm solving problems in the first draft that I otherwise in previous books wouldn't have really noticed until the second or third because I would have just been like full steam ahead and just writing, writing, writing. But sometimes I'll catch myself and be like, oh, I'm, you know, walking with the pram or whatever and daydreaming, like, you know, noticing a flower or the clouds. And um, But I will just think, oh, my God, that's the problem, you know. There needs to be another mm. character or like, or it might be like, I hate that character. They've got to come out of it. That happened the other day. I was like, (laughs) I hate this character. They're ruining the first 10,000 words. So I like pulled this character out and it's just, oh, all of a sudden unlocked the story for me. Um, And it stressed me out initially because I was thinking, oh my God, I basically have to rewrite the first 10,000 words of this book. But then I thought, but old me, previous me would have realized this on draft three and then I would have had so many more threads to pull out. Yeah, mm. would have been a lot more work. Yeah, there's yeah. there's like, I don't know, it's been interesting and I, I kind of 
learn things from writing each book that I bring into the next one. Um, but it, the upside of having a different process for each book is there is that flexibility and that type of thing. The downside is you never feel on top of it. <laughs> you never feel like you know what you're doing. Like people always seem like shocked when I say when when I still seem like a bit worried and stressed about a book, and they're like, "But you've done a few now," and I think, "Yeah, but they're different. Everyone, they're all so different." Yeah. Oh gosh, that that does make total sense. <laughs> Not yeah, to freak anyone out does. from writing. It is like a there's an empowering like feeling you get when you do crack the code on the book that you're working on and it's so satisfying. Speaking of obviously writing projects, you've mentioned that you've you've had a few books, you've written quite a few now. When we last spoke to you, um you had it I don't think it was even just around maybe it was around the release of um Remind Me How This Ends or a little bit after, like it was certainly within that year. So yeah. what can people catch up on now and what have you written since? Wow, yes. The year Remind Me How This Ends came out was a big year. That was 2017. So that came out um, and it's actually coming out in America in two months, which is pretty cool. Amazing. Five years on. Love that. Hilarious. It just the little book. that's cool. The little book that could. Um, Yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. I never thought it would because it's so Aussie and they've kept it really Aussie. Um, oh, which is cool. So nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 2017, that was the year that the Begin and Begin Love Oswaye anthology came out, which I was really honored to be a part of with just so many icons that I admired <laughs> from the industry. And we, it was fun too, because we got to promote it together. And so we got to yeah. go to events yeah. together. It was just good for the soul and a lot of fun. Um, and I was secretly pregnant at the time, actually, when that was happening. So like Sydney Writers Aww. Festival, I'm like running off after the panel to, you know, get French fries with Danielle Binks. And, um, <laughs> you know, we did one in Newtown together and I was like secretly vomiting down an alleyway before going into oh. the to, to oh. a panel. So that was a funny time. Um, and then that, oh. a few months later was when my my picture book with Sue DeGenera came out called Peas and Quiet. Yes. Um, I think we talked about that too. Yeah. Yeah, Because it was going to be coming out. Yeah, it hadn't come out and we talked, I remember about that. That one's been a special one. I see photos on your Instagram all the time of people dressing up as the characters. (laughs) Oh, well, one of my friends dressed up. One of my friends dressed up as um, Pip, one of the peas from the story and oh my gosh she wore this inflatable green um suit like to book week and it was painted her face green and she actually yeah, that must have been the one yeah. i saw on your instagram yeah. recently yeah i mean yeah. that's that's giving me like angus thongs and perfect snogging vibes there yeah. of oh, the olive costume the olive, absolutely <laughs> she really went for it like literally like the face paint I love and that. she contacted oh. me afterwards and was like I my face is broken out like in pimples. Oh, of course, the things oh my I God. do to you. Um, yeah. Oh my God. And then what, then in twenty nine, then I had a baby in twenty eighteen, and then but during that whole time, like so before I had the baby, I'd written a draft of a another book um, called Melody Trumpet, which is a like a middle grade. Um, novel for readers about seven to 11 years old um, and that's one of 
probably one of my least known books, but honestly, like one of my favorite books. It's, this is a funny thing about industry, our industry. Um, what's known to people isn't necessarily the ones like that we're the most connected with. Like Melody Trumpet is just like, I'm just so proud of that little book, but most people probably don't even know about it. And yeah, so it came out in 2019, Melody Trumpet. And then what happened after that? I've lost track of my life. And then <laughs> I we had, had a pandemic. Oh, yes, the pandemic. Then, I met, yes. Then, then the pandemic hit while I was in the middle of working on my next young adult novel, which ended up being called Can't Say It Went to Plan. And it came out when I was three weeks away from having my second child. So it was a very oh, busy right. year. May 2021 yeah. is a time I will not forget anytime soon. I was the size <laughs> of a house and trying to talk about my book. Um, so that's the latest one. Can't say it went to plan. Um, it's been out for over a year now. Um, and, I, yeah. yeah, it's been an interesting time having a book come out during a global pandemic. I'm sure most authors will say they never thought they'd say those words. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So tell us, tell us about the book. Sell us, sell us the book. Sell you the book. So Can't Say It Went to Plan is a young adult contemporary coming of age novel that centers on the stories of three strangers who have just finished year 12 and they're going to schoolies and they have one thing in common and that is their plans for schoolies just go bottom up the first day of the trip. So all the things that they were dreaming about happening in their life forget about that. That's not going to happen. <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead, they're going to have a week that's going to challenge them in just about every way. And Amazing. that's the story. That's the story. It's, so yeah, there's three intertwining strangers whose lives kind of gently impact each other in little ways and in some big ways. And they each have their own, you know, challenge that they need to kind of endure, face, overcome. And yeah, they, yeah, they're very different girls who have very different weeks. Yes. And it's just, I loved that it was like just that schoolies week and it's just crazy. <laughs> and they're on the Gold Coast. And oh I mean, God. where and else I, would you have a classic schoolies experience? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't go to schoolies on the Gold Coast and I don't know, a little bit like, wish I did, glad I didn't. But yeah. I, I didn't go still to schoolies. Feel, and I'm... Even though I didn't go, I still feel like you captured it perfectly. Oh, thank you. I can't believe I was allowed to go, honestly. Like, I <laughs> I still can't believe I was allowed to go. Like, I, I wrote in the um, dedication to, I think I dedicated it, wait, this is, yeah, I dedicated it to my parents because... Well, they also, <laughs> I dedicated actually to my high school friends. Um, for my KHS and UC favourites, thank you for all the adventures. And for mum and dad who couldn't sleep for the 17 days I was at schoolies. I am oh not kidding. God. I went for 17 days. I went to the Gold Coast for a, a week and then we went up to Noosa for nine days. The Noosa oh part was, there was some parental supervision in the Noosa part. We went and stayed at right. a friend's mum's kind of her home up there um but still I I was the type of so long away so long away I'd never been away from home by myself my parents would like if I was going to a party say in year 12 like my parents would still want to know like are the parents going to be there like you know all the strict stuff you know and then all of a sudden to go from that to 
17 days. It was just wild. Mum and I, we talk about it now and like nothing terrible happened when I was away. Like it was a huge week. Don't get me wrong. But I still can't believe they let me go. Yeah. <laughs> it was 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago, which also blows my mind. Because I was underage up oh, there too. Yeah. I was only 17 when I went. And I. To be fair, most Queenslanders are too. Yeah. Most of us finished school when we're 17. Yeah, okay. Well, we did. I think yeah. they've changed yeah. it now. But yeah. Okay. They have changed it now. Yeah. But, and yeah. Caitlin and I are both end of the year babies as well. So we were, yeah, I was... a long way off. Wow. I don't even think I was 17. I didn't go on schoolies, like schoolies, schoolies. I went on a cruise with my best friend and my mum and one of her friends. But I'm pretty sure my 17th birthday was the day after we got back in December. Oh, my goodness. You were so, 16 in year 12. Yeah. That's wild. It, was no, like, it yeah. is wild. It's crazy. I turned 17 in October of my year 12 year, so it was pretty much yeah, like over. weeks before yeah. formal and everything. Yeah. yeah. Wow. See, yeah. I was considered I was considered a baby, and I turned seventeen in the January of that year, and I was like, <laughs> I was young for our year. Everyone yeah. else was turning yeah. eighteen during year twelve. Yeah. yeah. I think um I think they've changed. I think it now. that I think... is more normal now. Okay. It's, <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of fun because I get to say that I was sixteen when I graduated high school. And then thanks to a three-year communications degree <laughs> was uh, – I turned 20 again in December, two days after my uni graduation. Graduation. So young. It's like child genius stuff, you know, when they graduate really young. It sounds cool, but it's not. <laughs> I, did a, I did like a two-year fast-track degree. So I was 19 and I, that was, I graduated like at the start of that year and started working at the newspaper when I was 19, like in the February and I didn't, yeah. I was 20 in like the October. So it was, yeah, I was like, <laughs> now I'm like, wow, you were like so young. It seems um, so normal to me, even, yeah. you know, yeah, it was like five years ago or whatever. And I think, yeah, like so I think because I did I like. Wish I, I wish I wasn't that young. I wish I was in school and uni for a couple more years. I know. It it's, must it's, have made uni a little bit tricky when you are so much younger. Like there was a girl that didn't turn 18 till I think it was the April when we were all living on campus in uni and it was so hard for her when everyone else could just go to, win yeah, a, go to an event or something. I remember her trying to like sneak in through windows and things like that. Um, Uh, I did not have that problem because I was an introvert who stayed at home studying, (laughs) reading books. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, parties are more stressful. Yeah. It's it's still weird. You're too young. It's still weird because I was living by myself on campus as well. Like I'd moved out of home and it's weird. Anyway, weird times. We love, we can, we consistently say this. We love books that explore that time. So after school. Yeah. And, but schoolies week, I don't think I've read another, I can't think of anything else said at schoolies week. There's, um, there was another book that came out during last year. Now I'm being a terrible author friend (laughs) forgetting the name of it, but I will there certainly have been a few others, but I must admit mm. the reason I pitched this idea was because I hadn't seen one that represented it. Like, Just schoolies. The way. Yeah. Like I always thought before I even knew what the words young adult meant. You know what I mean? Like I was writing mm. young adult before I even knew those words, young adult. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. I always just yeah. thought that location is ripe for, a, you know, a book. Like obviously they make movies of, about these types of things but yeah just exploring it um and all the different just like the perfect coming of age location for sure 
Yeah. And it's such an iconic event in, you know, teenage years in Australia. Like like, it's just Everyone can picture what schoolies on the Gold Coast looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've all seen the news reports. (laughs) (laughs) It's very much one. it It was hard in the sense of like, there's so many tones you could give a book set at schoolies and the type of Mm. books I write with the publisher I have, the readership I have, I could have, like there's so much stuff you could put in a book that I haven't, if you know what I mean. Like I've, so the types of stories that I've chosen are, are to me extremely realistic and real and full of heart at times and that type of thing. Um, and certainly like the coming of age stuff as well as the partying, but a different yeah. author would have license to show the grittier, rawer side of it as well, which te- that you do see on the news. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which technically, like, absolutely, I could do that as well. But it's it's not the type of young adult books that I enjoy writing at the moment. You know, like yeah. I, I want my readers to get to the end of a book and and have that warm, fuzzy feeling as opposed to, like... And not feel yeah. like they're white knuckling, or, white knuckling yeah. their way through the book, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Characters are yeah. okay at the end. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I wanted it to yeah. end on no one's life's perfect, but hopeful note for all of them. Yeah. Yeah. And you're so young, you have so much good stuff to look forward to. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Which no one believes when you're that age. You're like, no. I know. I know. It's There's so, something it's so hard. Something about that writing about that period of life. I'm obviously obsessed with it because that's where all my books sit. <laughs> so yeah. They, they all hover around that like senior high school, just after high school. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Cool emotions. Mean, it's just crazy. I mean, we've been talking to authors about their YA books for five years now. And I just, we always come to the same conclusion, which is like, oh, it's so interesting. And teenagers are like crazy and everything's life and death, but we love it. And <laughs> I don't know, it's just, it, it never um, ceases to amaze me how much we can talk about all this stuff. And I just still find it so interesting. It's obviously a very interesting, you know, time of life being a teenager. And that's why everyone loves writing and reading about teenagers. I think like emotions are heightened. There's so many firsts. Yeah. You're just standing on the edge of the rest of your life. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I need to quickly say the book that came out that also had a mention of schoolies when my book came out, just so we remember, is called Before the Beginning by Anna Morgan. And it's a completely different style of book. It's a, a dark mystery, but it's also set on schoolies week so yeah ah, just fantastic. to throw that bit of schoolies love in there as well cool yeah i haven't read that one i'll have to look it up so um can you tell us like what you're working on at the moment um yes i know you said it's not scheduled <laughs> for until did you say 2024 is like when you're thinking so i'm working on a another young adult novel with harper collins and i believe it's going to be coming out early to mid 2024 this time is how is a publishing funny... takes everyone yeah. <laughs> yeah. writing a book takes a long time and then publishing it also takes a very long time <laughs> yeah. yeah things move either very very slowly or very very quickly in publishing um yeah. so what can i tell you about it not much honestly however it is contemporary i think if you enjoyed remind me how this ends and can't say it went to plan this will be another one for that that readership 
Yeah, I think it's pro- probably a love child of those of those two books. <laughs> I um, mean, count me in. <laughs> fabulous, fantastic. Fabulous. I mean, yes, you've you've got two readers ready here. I remember when um, I think I saw a box of the of can't say it went to plan proofs in our mailroom, and I like skipped over to the kids team, and I was like, "Can I have one? <laughs> I want one of these." <laughs> oh, those covers are hard to ignore, aren't they? They just oh, oh, it was a fantastic cover. Just, I loved the cover of yeah, can't say instant, yeah. instant. Yes, sometimes you you know it's a, a back and forth conversation when it comes to a cover. Although to be honest, I've been so lucky with my covers I am obsessed with them all but that one was just so striking it was so striking I love it yeah but look the minute I'm allowed to reveal more about this new book I will it's it's still in early days that's the thing yeah like in a perfect world they would have loved me to have a book (laughs) come out next year but it's just not possible I Unless we do work out that cloning machine, it's just, <laughs> it's just not going like to happen. Like you said, you have two small children. You know, it's just two children under four. Like it's just not exactly. It's not going to happen. And it's do you, you work outside writing as well? I haven't because I've kind of been. I haven't like since having my second because other than working on the books and doing school talks and that type of thing, just because I yeah. literally don't have. The time I mean, around look, the that's, that's childcare enough, that I like, have. Oof, but my fantasy I, yeah. life is going to be building in more freelance, more like freelance work. Absolutely, I've always had one foot in the journalism side as well, and then one foot in the creative. And I found that that helps to keep me down to earth a little bit more. But at yeah. the moment, we're talking seasons of life. Earlier, the season of life I'm in is my priority is getting this new book done. Um, and then like spending as much time with my girls as I can because time is going really fast like and I've also like my littlest is only one so we're kind of still in the early days too yeah yeah totally and also like with your four-year-old too like it's not going to be long until she's at school so I'm sure you do want to make the most of that as well yeah absolutely and well that's it the year the new book comes out she'll be starting school the you know the new book will be out it'll all be happening (laughs) yeah Yeah. always a lot going on yeah yeah, and as you said, of course, the job of like being an author isn't just writing. Mm. You know, you've got all the school talks, and I saw you did some stuff with Book Week this year. I think it was amazing to be back out there after like the pandemic, and it's been cool to have Zoom as an option, and that kind of be opened up in a way, and people are getting so much more tech savvy with that type of thing. But I'm not sure if you girls realize I've moved regionally now. So I'm not based in Sydney anymore. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I live in a country town in regional New South Wales called Wagga Wagga, which is my hometown where I grew up. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm a little bit on another planet. So to go up to Sydney for book <laughs> we week was amazing. <laughs> it was, we get yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. It was really yeah. nice to like reconnect and, you know, see so many author friends and visit my old bookshop haunts. And but that, there's also like a beautiful creative scene here as well. It's, it was just nice to kind of dip my foot back in it um, after 13 years there. But, yeah, look, the, the school talks don't happen as often as I'd like, but that's, again, due to my number, just due to time as well. Um, exactly. Yeah. Logis- hard to go everywhere to do school talks when you've got two small girls. Yeah, the logistics <laughs> are just a, a bit too hardcore. So like, the logistics it took to get me up to book week this year 
It was a lot. <laughs> like, forget prepping for the actual talk. It was all the other stuff that went into like arranging, arranging that. Can I be there on the day they want me? <laughs> yes. yes. Absolutely worth it, though. It was amazing. And yeah, going to the state library and doing some writing on the new book and getting time to do like that deep work that without anyone, you know, throwing a snack at you or, you know, crying, <laughs> <laughs> crying or whatever it is. Um, yeah. No, it was amazing. It was it was a really good creative reset too. Oh, amazing. So wonderful. Where can people find and follow you online? Ah, I am probably the easiest to find on Instagram these days, at Gabrielle Tozer. I have a Twitter account, which is also at Gabrielle Toza, but I've basically quit Twitter. I haven't been on there. Everybody says since this. April. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been on there since April. I, I honestly don't miss it at all. Um, I was finding it so toxic, and it's been mm-hmm. glorious yeah. not being on there. To be honest. Um, yeah, Instagram is more fun. Yeah, I also yeah. have a website which is just GabrielleToza dot com, which has all the info on the books and how people can get in touch with me as well. Wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Thanks thank for coming you. back. Thank you so much for having me back. It's been great. Uh, I love I love this moment of having our very first guest back because I <laughs> I had absolutely no idea what we were doing when we were trying to interview you the first we time. We wanted to so show you that just... we, you know, know our tech now and then that didn't oh, work. <laughs> didn't work. But honestly, I'm, I'm, just, I'm it was probably my fault, honestly. No. Honestly. No. <laughs> I think it was no one's fault, but thank you so much, Thank you so much. So it's not been quite so long since we spoke to Rhiannon Wilde, but we were itching to discuss her second novel, Where You Left Us, which was released in September. Where You Left Us follows sisters Scarlett and Cinnamon, who are stuck in a town where people are still gossiping about her missing great-aunt Sadie. Throw in a barely functioning dad and some crushes and you've got a recipe for a lot of teen drama between two sisters. Hi, Rhiannon. Hi. (laughs) So lovely to have you back. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited. So obviously last time we spoke to you, your debut novel was coming out and it has had quite the response. Um, obviously, since then, also, you've been able to go to more events and things like that. And you've celebrated the publication of your second book. So let's have a good old catch up. What's it been like hearing everybody's feedback for your first book, Henry Hamlet's Heart, and then sort of moving into finishing off the second book and, and getting that out there in the world? I think it's weird because this time last year, I was editing I think I was doing the structural edit of my second book where you left us and I keep thinking about that 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 was this time last year and Henry was kind of all of the sort of long lists for a few awards were coming out and um, where you left us has been on a couple which is really nice this year but it's really weird to think back to this time last year when that was happening for Henry and you know um, booksellers were really kind and lovely and put it on you know the top five of the year and things like that and I remember it was really daunting, though, to be editing your second book <laughs> and have your first one. Oh, my yeah, God. Like, you almost want it, not want it to do. I didn't, it, it definitely was received better than I thought it would be. Um, and I started drafting the second one before Henry was even released. So I sort of had no idea um, that there would. Do you think that helped? Ah, uh, yes, definitely. I, I think it would have been more daunting to start something off the back of kind of, I guess, 
there being public interest in, in what I was going to write next. Um, whereas, so I had no idea when I first started, but when I was editing, I was very aware that there was now kind of a little readership, um, which was kind of an unexpected and nice thing. Um, Henry did a lot better than I ever expected it to. So um, it's, it's been really lovely, but it was very daunting. And I definitely had the sophomore scaries uh, like quite badly this time last year. So it's nice to be on the other side of that and know that it, it sort of worked out okay. <laughs> like fingers crossed. I mean, it's early days, but yeah. Yeah, that is strange because it obviously like on this um, reread season, we've had um, a few guests on who it had literally been like five years. They were among our first guests or something and you are obviously one of our more recent uh, guests it doesn't seem like that long ago I mean Henry Hamlet's Heart came out in the middle of 2021 which is only like a year and a half ago now and you've already had the second book come out and really not that long oh my god no (laughs) I mean I'm sure it amount like I'm quite an anxious person so in the back of my head as Henry was being released, I was like, if I've got another one, it doesn't matter if it bombs, it's fine. Like, yeah, it's if I've got one. another one ready to go. And I sort of played myself got that a little two bit. two-book deal. You were ready to <laughs> yeah. keep going. Yeah, well, I think I I sold Where You Left Us um, separate. Like, I didn't have the two-book deal. Oh, I did. had to, like, pitch it. No. So that was, like, my fun distraction from the stress of, of debut season, I guess. I was kind of writing those early chapters of, of Where You Left Us and and getting ready to pitch that to my publisher so yeah but it was um yeah it's crazy to think that I did it like bang bang it's like it's like those people who have like two under two <laughs> that's me yeah. promoting <laughs> yeah. my novels yeah. <laughs> yes you do oh you have two God, under I love two that. <laughs> yeah, I, <do. laughs> um, I mean you said that you're quite an anxious person and that you were feeling the pressure around this novel for those of us who haven't been through this experience before can you describe what some of the emotions and some of the things are around that like what's going through your head when you're trying to be creative and thinking about writing that second book well I think it was convenient that where you left us was a book that I wanted to write about mental health (laughs) it was my kind of I wanted to write a character with anxiety for a long time and um, something I've suffered with my whole life. Well, not, you know, I hate saying suffered with, but something I've had and it's been part of my life since I was a kid. And I already, (laughs) I was already, and then I was, and then I just happened to have a really, really anxious year because I was releasing my debut novel and we were still in a pandemic. So I think I, I think the emotions of it are, I mean, it's a whirlwind, particularly releasing your first novel because you have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and then it starts to do well. I'm a perfectionist, so I then immediately internalise that and I thought, I have to match that, I have to match that every step of the way. And so there was a bit of a block for a little while where I couldn't touch where you left us. <laughs> just, um, I think probably just before I started doing the structural edit, so maybe last November. And I remember talking to my therapist about it and being like, I don't know how to write about it. What if I get mental health wrong? What if I don't get the representation across that I'd really like to? And I think it's ironic in a way that I'm having all these conversations with my therapist. <laughs> She's like a primary thought, a primary source of me being like, um, I'm struggling to feel like I'm doing a great job of this. And so we had a lot of yeah conversations. I think it's a lot of anxiety. You feel very vulnerable. And then your second novel... I think you um, have to confront your own, think about your ambition when it comes to writing and why you want to be doing it, um, is what I 
is what I found. So I had to sort of sit with it and think, if I can write something that represents mental health in a way that I feel is authentic, and it took me a long, long time to get there, and I stressed about it a lot, um, then I'll be happy with it. It doesn't need to do amazingly well. I, I kind of made peace with that because I had to. I was so stressed. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, write a flop. Um, and so, yeah, I think your second one is a different thing. Your first one, you kind of have no idea what's coming. And then your second one, you're trying to match yourself and you have to pull back from that or you can't be creative is what I found. I had to just let that go and focus on the actual work and the, the craft, I guess. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think... It's, inter- it's so interesting to hear you talk about ambition because publishing in particular, and I guess any sort of creative industry, what that what you're striving for can be so personal for everybody. So for some people, it could be being on bestseller lists. It could be being the Man Booker Prize winner. It could be earning X amount of money from books, getting film deals or whatever. Like what you want to do is so different. And not that none of those things align, but very rarely do you get the critical acclaim plus the commercial acclaim uh, plus the film deal or whatever. Like very rarely do all those things align. And so sometimes, especially with books and probably like movies and TV shows as well, it feels like, you know, what you're setting out to create is, you know, something more commercial or something that is there's always a place for I don't want to say trashy but you know like Mills and Boone sort of stuff like there's always a place there's always a place in a market for that though and you know maybe that's what you want to create maybe for some people like you said like book one is purely like I just wanted to get my book in print and once you've got that yeah what actually is my goal and my purpose with sitting down to spend hours and hours and hours of my life crafting this thing do I want this do I want that I think that's just so interesting because like I feel like sport or something is more clear-cut like it's like I want to go to the Olympics and like that's like recognized as like the highest level of stuff that you can go to and there's no such thing for books (laughs) there's also an a more laid out way like path of like how to get there because like you train and join the whatever team and then like compete like to get there whereas with books and like if the goal like say is to be published and how best can you sort of do that? Because, like, we talked about this with Sophie Gonzalez and obviously her um, first book is set in the US and that was her way and she went through being published in the US. And so, you know, different people do different things and that ambition thing must be really um, quite strange to deal with with the second book and it's such a common thing because obviously everyone says, like, second book syndrome and, like, people will tell you write the second book before the first one comes out and it's like a really commonly discussed thing particularly in books I think because I guess maybe because it's such a long process perhaps in tv or movies or music or other things when it comes to what is someone doing next and for things like tv I think often I don't know I felt like doing a second book what I wanted to do was do something different and I think that's what a lot of well not all authors but some authors like that's that's what they kind of I wanted to kind of challenge myself on a craft level um so then I had to grapple with the fact that like making it fit with the readership and I think that's another way that second books for authors can be different to like tv because I suppose 
TV, maybe people would receive you doing the same thing again better. <laughs> like you yeah. can do another season of the same thing and people are like, yes, yeah, I'm so excited. But yeah, you know, do it the same. Yay. <laughs> please make it exactly the same. But um, And people sometimes like books like that. But for me, I realized that my actual ambition was more about what I wanted the craft of the book to be more so than did I want it to be really highly commercial. So I had to kind of commercialize it then. <laughs> it's kind of like... Particularly, like, when you're a standalone author, it's obviously different, again, yeah. if someone is writing a series. Yeah, and that would have been fun if, to, if I could just stay with them, or even sequels, but sequels, you have to kill people. Yeah, it's something dramatic. Like, yeah. Or, You've got to do something. Or, yeah, yeah, something but horrible. You the story <laughs> to do a sequel. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. I think, too, like, that yes. idea of, like, competing against yourself and your own standards yeah. is something that, you know, as an anxious person with perfectionist tendencies like I totally relate to just in like every area of my life I totally get that and it gets worse I think when the more work you create the more you compare yourself to your previous stuff um I think yeah so it can it can be hard in that sense to compete with yourself I think that's like it's like the scariest thing it's never ending you can't shut that it's really well you you can shut it off probably it's really hard in years of therapy to try and address that (laughs) maybe it's easier just to leave it it's too much work in all the therapy to go back and do that (laughs) oh my goodness well one thing we left us probably had going for it that henry didn't is that you had the opportunity to go to like a multiple writers festivals and do a lot more events and stuff this time around didn't you so how did you how was that tell us about that (laughs) yeah and that's a different experience again like to it's an it's been a weird book because it was kind of created in isolation in lockdown and then it was put into the world, a world that had kind of opened back up. But I've really enjoyed all of the festivals and being able to physically travel, even though yeah. I'm very anxious. So I'm very COVID anxious, but I've just been, you know, I've got my Glen 20, I'm good to go. Um, <laughs> and I really enjoyed going to Melbourne Writers Festival. And um, I think it's a really fun experience, particularly getting to meet I met a lot of anxious people <laughs> and, uh, who had kind of either read the book or, or heard me speak about the book and wanted to read the book um, after me chatting about it. It's been a really nice process to be able to speak about something that when I was a young person I didn't have the language for or I didn't speak about really. It was something that I had going on privately and then people are often used to be quite shocked that I even had anxiety because I would just pretend to be really in control and fine. And then kind of... That's how it works. How old were you you when you were diagnosed? Uh, Probably, I had a... I I mean, it sounds really dramatic when I say this, but I did have like a semi-breakdown when I was 19. My first year of uni. And I was pushing myself really hard. Oh my God, I was so close. I was was on the verge. (laughs) Exactly. I was on the verge. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's that transition I found really hard. So I was 19. And I ended up like convincing myself that I had like appendicitis and going to hospital and I was fine. Like, I think it was, I think it was like cramps. And then my parents had to like come and get me and take me to their place. And I had to reassess the pressure I was putting on myself and kind of, but, um, I'd had it my whole childhood, but had no language for what it was. So I would feel like sick in my stomach and think that I was just sick. And this is like, bing, um, bing, bing, me, 100%. (laughs) Like, I just know, know, I know that I've always had generalized anxiety, but I just, 
I, I didn't this wasn't know. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. And I was like yeah. maybe 22 or 23 when I was diagnosed. And I was like, oh, my God, my <laughs> whole life makes sense now. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It is like that, especially panic attacks. There's, there was, like, no awareness of what they were. Um, so that was something I wanted to put in where you left us because I had no – I'd read nothing about them when I was a teenager. And, like, in a non-triggering way, I wanted to put it on the page. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Um, yeah, because I was the same. Like, I went through a phase where I – I, would ha- I was having panic attacks constantly and couldn't leave the house. And so for me, that's something I always have in the back of my mind that that's something, that's a state that I know that can happen if I push too hard. Um, and so I kind of learn a lot about myself. And, and even with doing events, I have to be aware of like what my limit is um, yeah. in terms of like flying or even, you know, doing public speaking. I can't do speeches, like flat speeches particularly well. I prefer to like have someone there. And, like, I love in conversations, but you get me up in front of a crowd with a PowerPoint and I have, like, flashbacks to being a teacher and I just can't do it. So, like, that's a, that's a hard limit. Um, but, yeah, like, I think it's so fantastic that we have an awareness around it now because you know yourself so much better and you can care for yourself so much better than just beating yourself up and being, like, why do I have heart palpitations for no reason? Like, and something <laughs> every that, now and then. something that helps. Sorry, I'm just going to turn the slide on. Um, something that helps, obviously, is having books like yours yeah. to help you give voice to those experiences that you may not have the language for in other areas of your life. Like, I wish that mm-hmm. I had had that. Even in university, like, it, it just mm-hmm. – it would have yeah. made a huge difference. So I hope that, you know, there are actual teen readers who are reading this and maybe mm-hmm. it's helping them in some way. Uh, and I'm sure I, I would say I'm sure that that's your hope as well. <laughs> I yes, can imagine. Um, are you still teaching? No. Ooh, tell us about <laughs> um, that because last time we spoke to you a lot about your teaching and teaching, stuff. Right? Yeah. I think I was I was thinking of going back, but I think I think we were all sort of frozen on what would happen post COVID and not sure what life might look like. Um, I think I'd still like to do it in some capacity, but probably not in a high school setting. It just doesn't, you can't really fit anything else in if you're a high school teacher. I think it needs a lot of dedication and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to give that end right. So it's kind of the two things that I've juggled. I mean, never say never because I loved it, but also, um, it doesn't really, you know, I wouldn't want to be taking months off to edit if I had a senior class and then leaving them without yeah I guess you're doing your sort of work helping kids of those age with your yeah. writing anyway so in a way like you are still sort of teaching in a little way mm. of like you're still passing yeah. on wisdom and lessons through your work yeah and it's nice like I did the Melbourne Writers Festival school days and it was nice to to interact with young people in that sense again and we had lots of conversations with anxiety because it's something I also saw a lot of when I was teaching. Like, the things that young people now are facing or have faced already, like, there's a lot of... There's a lot. (laughs) Um, Any conversations about anxiety and mental health, I think, are helpful. Um, And so I like being able to go to those. That's why events are good, because you you get to actually interact with your audience rather than just thinking, oh, I hope they're reading it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I actually... um, So I went to you know I've been to like YA events at um Rags festivals before um but obviously I went to your event with Tobias Baden in Sydney at the start of October I think it was yeah and I also was like Caitlin why did you get it? a photo with them oh yeah I know it was so bad <laughs> she was like what oh, I, no. talked, 
Oh, I know. It was so. I mean, I talked to you both for ages. I need we didn't get a photo, yeah, but um, yeah, I was anyway. But I um went to that event and I went to another one of Tobias's event. His book launch like mm-hmm. earlier. Um, yeah, which was at a different bookstore in Sydney, and I was just so pleased both times to actually see like real life teenagers there and yeah. I was there and I was like I feel like I'm the old one in the room like what am I doing here <laughs> yeah. but there is that sort of really, perception really that or, or sort of discussions about how many teens are actually reading are really teen reading books yes. or it's just women yeah. in their 20s and 30s like us <laughs> reading them all yeah. and writing them <laughs> like how accurate is it and yeah. so I think that is like so yeah. lovely to know that it is actual teenagers mm. who are still reading well, that's, that's something that I always try to bear in mind is I want to be writing something that I think young people would want to read. And I think having come straight off of being a teacher, I was still teaching when I wrote Henry. So I was kind of aware of what they really hated. And um, I've also got a 17-year-old sister, as I think I talked about last time. So I know she's always going to tell me, like, what's really millennial cringe and, like... Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Keep you in line. But yeah, that's something that I'm really passionate about is I think that YA needs to have teens in it and in that space. And if they're not there, then something we're doing something wrong yeah. <laughs> as authors. And so it was really lovely. Like There were people who came to the Tobias event, a fan, uh, I don't want to say fan, a reader, um, a reader <laughs> that came from Wollongong that we were chatting to. Um, and like, it was just amazing. Like, they're, And they're amazing to chat to. Like, it's it's such a gift to be able to talk to like even 20 year olds because I just feel like they're wiser than all of us like <laughs> they're a different breed they're certainly cooler that's for <laughs> sure yeah they're so cool right they're all way cooler than I was at that mm. age it's just getting harder to be a teenager I mean I did say oh I did say to Jack the other day um I think around my birthday I was like you know how people say that they want to go back to their early 20s like I really would not like I just, yeah. I feel like I yeah, am in a really good. good place now. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm so much more confident. I'm not got my anxiety completely under control, but like, it's so much better than it was. And with that comes confidence in not just spending my whole day questioning whether someone actually really hates me. And I was like, yeah, I, if I could stick at this level or better, I'd love that. And I, I just, yeah I was like I feel like I look better now I feel like I'm not as cringe I don't know like I'm definitely like we're we're all millennial cringy people now just by virtue of our generation but I definitely yeah I'm like oh I would not want to go back to being kind of any younger than this because it just feels like I'm I'm constantly becoming more confident and stuff and I was like oh that actually does make me excited to like enter my 30s and stuff like that which I never thought I would say um but I feel like that happens when you enter your 30s my editor just um she turned 30 I think last year and she's like oh just wait till your 30s you're gonna be so happy like (laughs) you're gonna have this surge of like yes this is my life and I'm like giving less fucks like that's because I'm looking forward to that especially as an anxious person I think that's it yeah yeah. yeah, and you and the confidence thing of being more assertive and more like this is my life and this is ha- what I want. Whereas yeah. I'm yeah. still in I'm still in the like twenties of like what am I doing? <laughs> Why are we all here? I do still feel <laughs> yeah. a little bit like that, of course. But now the panic yeah. around it's a weird thing. really like growing up stuff. Like 
should I have yes. a baby? I don't know. Like yeah, all right. that stuff that you're like, <laughs> yeah, I could. Do I do that? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to delay that decision until my 30s. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a problem for future me. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. God, it's so weird. Anyway, that went wildly off topic, but um, yeah, I can't relate. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, my God. Can we talk about um, Taylor Swift as well? Because yes. when we spoke last <laughs> time, I re- Caitlin's always up for this discussion. But I remember you saying that um, Folklore and Evermore were big inspirations for your book. Um, So tell us a little bit more about that and also your favourite track from Midnight's. Because Michelle's actually Um, listened. I've actually listened. (laughs) I can have this discussion Years of effort and she listened to Midnight's the day it was released. Well, yeah. I mean, Caitlin's still got some catching up on some films that I've recommended multiple times. So, she owes you. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, so, Taylor Swift definitely inspired a lot of the writing process, I think. Folklore came out as I was editing Henry still, I think. When Mm -hmm. did Folklore drop? I'm trying to think. Like, was it the end of... July 2020. Yeah, so I was I was in the thick of editing Henry, um, and then by the time um, Evermore came out, I was thinking about where you left us, like, and Henry was done, and like parcelled off. So I think folklore was like what I was listening to, just because it was so good. Like, it's not necessarily like relates to Henry at all, and I wasn't allowed to. I snuck one onto the playlist and like broke my rule of making all of the songs songs that Henry and Len could have listened to because I was like, no, yeah. I have to have a song from Folklore on there. <laughs> so it's just, I think this is me trying. Special it's just, cas- just casually on the playlist. Because um, we realised we needed some women. Like, that, there were, like, no popular songs in 2008 by women except, like, one by Rihanna. So <laughs> I oh think God. we were like, no, we can't be having that. Um, and so, yeah, I think Folklore was when I was editing and I was still going to cafes because Queensland was like fully in a COVID bubble where everything was kind of suspended normal-ish. Yeah. Um, and so I was going to this cafe each day to write and edit. And so I'd listen to folklore to kind of drown out the noise. And then Evermore was a big inspiration for um, Where You Left Us because it was just fun to listen to it and start dreaming of another story. Because um, something that happens to me every time I finish a book I'm like, right, well, I'll never write again. Like, I don't know. That's it. There's a chance that this was it because I just put a lot into that and now I'm maybe I'm spent, you know. Maybe I won't have another idea that's good. Um, and so I was sitting in that space of, of thinking of the idea for where you left us and, and Evermore was really great for that. Um, and there's a kind of – there's a lot of lyrical stuff in Evermore because it's so vast what it covers, yeah. um, that kind of – I could pull from lots of different things. Um, like I love champagne problems for a couple that doesn't work out. And there's a couple that doesn't work out and where you left us. And then Marjorie, there's a, there's a grandmother who passed away. I can't listen to Marjorie without like almost crying because oh, about my own so nan. And I think it. that's yeah, true yeah. for a lot of people. Um, so yes, I think ever more massively and ever more is also kind of more like spooky and kind of, Storytelly, so it was. It, it really suited, yeah, yeah. So it really suited that I was trying to do something gothic-ish or like Australian gothic. I wasn't not scary, but just kind of atmospheric. Mm. Um, yeah. And has and midnight's inspired? Inspi- sorry, has midnight's inspired any new ideas? I think so, but I think mm. 
I'm in my I'm working on another project at the minute and I think definitely but it's 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 more boppy, you know what I mean? Like it's more like yeah. a car listening getting pumped like for going to work. Oh yeah, that's a, why a, that's fully why I like it. <laughs> that's why it's so good. But yeah, I think it's very I get different ideas. to the storytelling of yeah. But, yeah. but I think I get ideas listening to Midnight's like when I'm in the car, but I've been trying to like listen to slower music when I write because it, it helps me it's focus. It's probably pretty hard song. to focus on writing if you're like, come yeah. on, my boyfriend. If you're like dancing, <laughs> you know, like it's too exciting yeah. and it's still so fresh as well. Like I feel like new Taylor Swift music is really exciting for a while and then I can listen to it in the background. <laughs> yeah. um, but my favorite song is probably, it's Mastermind. I know that's basic. <gasps> But it made me cry when I first listened to it because of that bridge at the end, I was like, what? I loved it. Oh, my God. The <laughs> first time I listened to the album through, like, my guess, like, my thoughts when I was, like, with all the track titles and my yeah. ideas was that karma was going to be really, um, I was like, oh, fun. It's going to be kind of mean yeah, and, like, cool Correct. and then I thought that mastermind would be kind of like the man and about her career yeah. and things like that and I really liked that neither of those songs were what I thought and that karma yeah. was like the sort of what goes around comes around everything works out yeah. for a reason and that's what karma is for me sort yeah. of vibe and that mastermind was like she was like, no, I made it happen. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did manifested it. my love. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's very me. Like, like, when I had a crush in high school, I, like, knew when his classes were, and I'd be, like, near the lockers, like, hey. <laughs> Nicole, I'm just here. Yeah. I just happen to be here. I'm on my way to drama. <laughs> and I know I'm late. <laughs> like, and everyone did that. And so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah, honestly. But then I also love Sweet Nothing. Sweet Nothing I do listen to when I'm running. And it makes me sad when Swift Talk is like, ew, like, that's my least favourite. <laughs> I'm like, it's so beautiful. She wrote it with Joe. Like, what's wrong with you? Anyway, nothing's wrong with them. But also, it's a great song. Yeah, um, it's totally, it's so funny um, the way people sort of react sort of straight away with new Taylor Swift music because Sweet Nothing, yes. just because it's slower and not yeah, track like, five, mm-hmm. everyone's like, <laughs> Yeah, hate it. Whereas if it was track five and you're on your own kid was like yeah. somewhere else on the album, they'd be like, Oh my god, sweet nothing. Oh. Oh. See, it's so hard to pick a favourite. You're on your own kid's probably my third one. Like that's there's they're the three. Yeah. Um and that, that bit at the end also makes me nearly cry because my third project is kind of about it's like two people that are in like a situation ship over a lot of years. So I feel like a few of the slower songs off oh that god, album are that's a bad idea. <laughs> A few of the slower songs off that album are like hitting me, hit me hard. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like Taylor Swift is such a great storyteller that it does lend itself to imagination. Um, listening to her stuff, but Folklore and Animal was such a gift. You said about this project, the the midnight <laughs> songs are maroon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love maroon as well, <laughs> and I hate people who hate it. And even though we say maroon, I'm like, Don't I you, know, you know. I'm I have seen like a TikTok or something where it's like they're playing the thing and it's like, but you're Aussie, and so then it cuts off and it goes, Maroon! <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah. So oh, good. Man, so yeah, good. I could talk about it forever, but I should probably stop because <laughs> you won't stop me otherwise. Caitlin will not. Caitlin like, will engage in that no, discussion. No, it's so good. Forever. Um, but. <laughs> I suppose we potentially probably should ask you a bit about this next project if you want to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. 
Um, so I think so this is it's, book it's three. Still, yes, it's still in its infant early phases. I mean, I think I've got like twenty thousand words, which sounds like heaps, but it's really not. Like, yeah, it's 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 a it's a little chunk. Um, which you kind of or need to be able to show seventy or eighty. So you've got a way to go. Yeah, still. <laughs> yeah. Where you left us, I think, was eighty, and Henry's seventy something. But Henry started out as ninety, so um, 20, <laughs> 20 truly is nothing for me. But it's like. I've got a taste of who they are and um, it's going to be kind of a female friendship novel and then there'll be an element of, like I said, like a situationship between two characters who kind of have known each other for a long time and kind of follow their lives and I'm toing and froing on whether to set it in the present day, the hellfire that is now, or or go back like I did with Henry and yeah. follow them kind of through maybe I'm fascinated with 2012 as an era in the same way that I was fascinated with 2008 um and I think that could be cool to explore but also whether there's a market for that or whether people are interested in that other than me I don't know so at the moment it's like open about whether it doesn't really matter because those are topical details like I think we could have moved Henry um into now but it would have changed a lot of things but you know, yeah. people weren't vastly different in the 2000s. So, yeah, it's I'm, I'm wanting to explore friendship and um, kind of feminism and young women building lives in a world that's burning down around them kind of thing is what yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in that because I've got such close friendships with all of my girlfriends that I've had since uni and, and the, way that, the way that they work and unfold, um, particularly, I think, queer friendships because they can be very complicated and fascinating um and so yeah that's that's what it that's what it is so far i've changed the title three times (laughs) thus far (laughs) but where you left us i think was called something completely different until just before we announced it wow and henry was called something completely different until i finished it i think the day that i finished it i was like oh it's called henry hamlet's heart it's not called that (laughs) yeah so you kind of get to know it i think as you write so i'm still in that phase of I'm interested in the characters and just following them and dynamics between them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And how do you find writing um, female characters? It sounds like both mm. of these characters be female and obviously um, yeah. in Where You Left Us they were sisters versus yes. Henry Hamlet's Heart where they were little boys. Little boys. <laughs> little boys. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said little boys it. like that, but <laughs> they were boys. Teen boys. <laughs> Um, 18 year old, I think Henry's 18. So I suppose we can call him a, a, almost a man, but not really at all. Um, I didn't really think about what, about the fact that I was writing a man character. It was just that Henry was a teenage boy and I, and he was the character I was most interested in at that point when I was 23 and I started the first draft. So I didn't think about it at all. Whereas I feel like now I am much more interested in female friendships and 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 um young women maybe because I did boys and I feel like I really enjoyed that experience but I want to do something else and my next project will also have a male character who's quite significant so I'm kind of wanting to do a bit of both Mm. I suppose um and look at kind of toxic masculinity a little bit in in him and I've got male friends who kind of didn't fit that mold of being really um I guess toxic and hyper-masculine that you needed to be in the 2000s and I think they're really interesting characters to explore and so I think I'd like to do both but 
where you left us, I think I wanted to do girls because I'd done boys and sort of, I mean, not to talk about things in too much of a binary term, but... Um, yeah, but you wanted to do something I think, different. I just, yeah, I think each time I want to do something completely different. Um, and it's interesting because Henry's come out in the US just like a month or two ago, and a lot of US really? readers... Yeah. Congratulations. Um, I don't know if I Thank That's you. <laughs> thank you. And a lot of people um cuz I think in the US it's quite common for there to be dual perspective in a love in like a love story. And so there's a lot of people who want like a sequel from Len's perspective. Um and I always think, what I do? Sorry, I, I just rolled my eyes, I'm... not because I don't want you to write that, but because it's such a like you said, like there's always a it's like no, why can't you be allowed to explore yeah new stories like it's like the whole yeah. stephanie meyer like let's do the whole thing again but from a different pers- no no mm-hmm. no <laughs> do something else do something you certainly don't yeah. have to it might be yeah it. but yeah it depends yeah what more yeah. there is to let story that you think you could explore well i think it was, it was a lot like it's like um it's got henry a picture of henry and he's got like quite a cool haircut and then there's the you know the photo wall scene that happens there's, that is on the cover, like the wall of all the photos Len takes. That's so um, cool. And then there's like a little Len in one of the photos taking a picture. Oh. Yeah, okay. it's a really lovely cover. Um, and I just saw the cover for the US where you left us as well, and it's also amazing. I oh, like that yeah. in the US they're really big on really detailed character drawings. Yeah. Um, that's like so popular over there that almost every cover, particularly for YA, will be like a really detailed character sketches, whereas... Yeah. I feel like in Australia that's way less common. We're a little um, bit more so it's really interesting stuff, aren't we? It's a, yeah. yeah, we're a bit more abstract with those things. I think only really, it's more common with younger childrens, like yes. much less with YA, but like with younger children. Yeah. Or like I feel like with, with like, like rom coms and, and stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I think I guess maybe only when they feel like you really need to picture the character in Australia will they be like, "All right, here they are. <laughs> this is what they look yeah. like." Yeah. Otherwise, we like cons- yeah. concepts. Yeah. Which yeah. I love or as well. Or if it's like a photographic sort of style cover yeah. for like women's fiction or something, they'll be like, well, the character's mm. blonde, so find a blonde lady. And that's kind yeah. of it. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad that we're sort of so past true. that in like actually like the 2011, 2012, 13 YA phase yeah. of like, all the yeah. fantasy yeah. covers where it's all just these stock images thank god we've moved past that they yeah. were so ugly <laughs> i know and half the time they didn't actually look like the characters exactly like, yeah. like no. who is that <laughs> what character is that in the book <laughs> you know? yeah um, but yeah so anyway. it's henry's henry's out in the u.s and and i wonder if i would write a sequel from like and do that that story again and maybe i would i don't know but um I just think subconsciously I do different things each time. Yeah. Um, and particularly I love the dynamic between sisters. So that's why I love doing that in Where You Left Us. And then I could do dual perspective, but I don't know if I would do that in a romance. Yeah. Um, I had this conversation with, I think, Kay Kerr at my launch, um, where you don't always know if, you're going, if, if the readers are going to like the other person in a romance in the same way that your protagonist does, whereas... With the sisters, I could kind of make sure that they both were likable. Yeah. Um, 
But that being said, I think my next one's maybe got elements of dual POV as well. So we'll see. We'll see. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think like I think Just female friendship is endlessly fascinating. Like in my life, yeah, anyway, like I will always say this, but Same. like it's been so much more tumultuous and dramatic and mm. so much more important in my life than any romantic yeah. relationships I've had. And literally mm. nearly in my thirties, like stuff like that's still happening. Um not yeah. in as much of a high school way, but like just friendship dynamics. It just yeah, yeah. It's so mm. it's so fascinating, and I feel like again, it's not not to sort of be really gender binary about it, yeah. but it does seem to be girls' friendships more like boys seem to be more like I don't know. They just not that they don't care as much, but there just doesn't seem to be as much uh, sort of the undertones and stuff of all the drama yeah. that sort of happens in a female friendship and all the feelings and all the things and all the so stuff that layers. we tell each other. Yeah, yeah. Like it just seems to be like, you know, like, uh, you know, Jack's friends and stuff. It's all just like, Hey mate, how are you going? Like whatever. And you know, whereas we yeah. all know our close female friends, we literally tell each other everything and like, it's yeah, just such like a different intimacy. Yeah, it's such. There is such yeah, an intimacy, completely unparalleled. Yeah, yeah. and like Which the I, only is, thing is that, like, really honestly, the intimacy is like on the same level as stuff I tell my husband. Like, you know, yeah. Caitlin knows it exactly. too. You know, like it's just yeah, that, it's yeah. it is strange because yeah, it, it just seems like yeah. boys, men don't really have those types of friendships um so it's fascinating yeah. um and actually i highly recommend um girlfriend by holly Bourne for an mm. exploration of of that and some like toxic and weird elements of friendships and some like yeah. things that one person thought that you know maybe that wasn't actually that was just their perception and yeah it's very interesting, interesting. it's very it's very good and friendship generally is like yeah. the intimacy of it like even with my male friends and like my partner has female friends, like his best friend and well, our, we have, we're both best friends with her as well, is a woman. And like, I just think it's just so nebulous and fascinating, um, platonic friendship. And then also friendship where there's like other layers, which can often happen. I know in my early twenties in like queer circles, which interests me as well. So there'll be, there'll be yeah. lots of layers. And I've been rewatching girls like Lena Dunham's girls, um, oh, right, yeah. that show, which Gen Z's are kind of starting to watch, which I love. Like, I know that Lena Dunham has said questionable things and I don't defend those at all, but it's like a piece of art, girls, as a product. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, that kind of where you look at lots of women or lots of people even and why are they friends and they've had this shared experience and they have this intimacy and, like, yeah, it's so good. It's just – and I think it's different, again, to doing romance which is kind of what I've done twice, mm. romance and then sibling relationships. So now I'm like, okay, let's do another dynamic with, with all the layers. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> it sounds incredible. Yeah, we hopefully. Cannot wait. I mean, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Don't put any pressure on yourself. No pressure at all. <laughs> nah. I'm so I mean, sure. Whatever it ends up being, we'll be very excited to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won't be putting the pressure on, but, you know, as someone who's anxious, I know that that does not matter at all. <laughs> yeah. No, I will be. Yeah. I know. It's like when Where You Left Us is coming out, Tobias, who's lovely, he's like the best um, writer pal to have, messaged me. He's like, you have nothing to worry about, but I know that doesn't help. Yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you for understanding. Uh, yeah, he gets it. I think a lot of us are very anxious. Yeah. And so it also is nice to have people to commiserate with. And friendships with anxious people. Um, most of my friends are fellow anxious people. So <laughs> it's good. good to have. 
Thank you so much for joining us again today, Rihanna, and we could literally chat to you all day. Uh, where can people find and follow you online? Uh, so I'm on Instagram at Rihanna underscore wild. I'm not emotionally strong enough to be on Twitter, especially now. So <laughs> Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> yep. Yes, yeah. Instagram's where it's at. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Oh, amazing. Good luck with the new project. Um, and... Yeah, we can't wait to read it already. So, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It may be ready. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for listening to Better Words. You can chat to us on Instagram at Better Words Pod. And follow me, Michelle, at Unfinished Bookshelf. And me, Caitlin, at Just a Bookish Babe. If you liked this episode, please share it with a book-loving friend and leave a rating or review. 